Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy you're here. This episode is going to be a blast. This episode is the first ever Ask Me Anything episode. If you would like questions answered in the future on another episode, submit them on the Facebook page, on the email of the show, or you can use Twitter, any form of social media. You can use the website, however you want to submit them. Get them into me, and maybe they might make it onto the next show. I'd love to answer your questions, whatever they are. Uh, it doesn't have to specifically be Braves related, um, baseball related, really anything. Uh, as, as the title goes, ask me anything. So this is going to be a fun episode. So let's get started. First, let me say that this is going to be a kind of laid-back format. I'm sitting out on my porch, listening to the birds. So you might hear something in the background. It's just because I kind of wanted to have a let-loose, chill type of atmosphere for answering these questions for you guys. thought it would be kind of fun that way. Um, I was actually had to stop the recording at first because as soon as I started, someone turned on a really loud engine. So we'll see how this goes, but I figured it'd be kind of fun this week. Before we get started, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone that submitted questions. Without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. It was a blast looking at the questions that you submitted. I tried to get as many of them in as I could. If I didn't get them in this time, I may get them in in another episode, or just continue to submit questions and you'll get one on the show. Thank you so much for submitting them. I'm really looking forward to answering them. So with that being said, let's get started with the first question. The first question was submitted by Debbie. She said, If Cole Hamels has used this time of COVID-19 shortened season to heal, what will happen to King Felix? Well, there are some things to consider here. If it were a normal scenario where minor leagues were not in flux, what would probably happen is they would stash him in the minor leagues as a depth option if someone gets injured. I hate to say that because he obviously put in a ton of work in the offseason. He lost a ton of weight. He was looking great in spring training. But at the time of this recording, the the rumors I have read seem to lean towards that with a shortened season, the agreement between MLB and MLBPA will allow for expanded rosters. The rumors I have seen ranged from 30 roster spots up to 40, probably closer to the 30 range. That being said, the Braves' mode of operation, or MO, is to have pitching depth. They will most likely put him on the roster and give him a spot start here and there. The Braves, the past few years, have gone with more a six-man rotation than a five-man to preserve arms. This is good news for King Felix and his fans. So, in a normal situation, he might be on a minor league team, and then he would eventually decide if he wants to request a release um, if no one gets hurt but odds are someone would get hurt and then he'd get pulled up for depth or spot starts but with the expanded rosters looks like he's gonna get a shot and I'm really excited about that great question Debbie the next question is from Laura her question is 
There are a lot of things up in the air with the restart of the season. The newest article I read said we will play in our own divisions with a full roster. Do you think the Braves have the best advantage to win the division? And if so, do you believe the hype that they shine in short seasons? Great question. I really enjoyed this one. I may be going against the grain on this one, but I do believe on paper the Braves are the best team in the division. Obviously, when I say going against the grain, I mean they're obviously the favorites, but with my answer, I'm going against the grain. Even with the loss of Josh Donaldson, they made up the difference by fixing their biggest weakness, the bullpen. They went from having a shaky bullpen at best to having a top five bullpen in all of Major League Baseball. As far as buying the hype for short seasons, I have some bad news there. For the long run, it may be a good thing since the Braves can keep their young arms fresh. However, one of the main reasons the Braves were so successful last year was their insane depth. In my opinion, the only team with better depth in the National League is the Dodgers, and they are a luxury tax team, meaning that they have so much money on the books that they have the possibility of having to pay the luxury tax. Braves are not anywhere close to that. The Braves have two outfielders on their bench that would most likely start for over half of the teams in Major League Baseball. They also have at least three starting pitchers stashed in the minors that would make the roster for a majority of Major League teams. A shorter season means that the advantage of depth is not as important. There is less chance for other teams to have injuries exposing their lack of depth. On the flip side, the Braves have, a, have less chance of needing to take advantage of their depth. An example would be if you look at the Nationals last year. If you looked at projected hitters and pitchers, they stacked up pretty well with the Braves on paper. In fact, a lot of experts picked the Nats to win the division. However, the Nats got off to a slow start and had some key injuries with no guys to really fill in to make up the difference. But, when the Nats were fully healthy and in the playoffs, they won the World Series. So, in a nutshell, I believe the shortened season is actually a disadvantage to the Braves. Great question, and I hope that I am proven wrong. Richard asked, How would the shortened season affect the prospects that are near Major League Baseball ready? I'm glad you clarified MLB ready, because as some of us know, there's quite a bit of difference between a prospect that just got drafted or signed to a minor league deal starting off in single A or the rookie leagues versus someone who is projected to make the MLB squad. Well, a lot of this depends on how much the rosters are expanded. It will also depend on if there will actually be minor leagues or not. Another thing to factor in is if the Braves want to manipulate service time. Top prospects like Christian Pache, will most likely not make the roster so that the Braves do not lose a year of service time. This is breaking camp, of course. For players that are not on the level of guys that the Braves are not worried about service time, they have a much better chance of making the roster since it appears the rosters will be expanded, especially pitchers since it is in the Braves' mode of operation to love pitching depth which goes along with the answer to the King Felix question earlier. Unfortunately for the prospects that won't make the roster, 
it appears that they will be out of luck, and their dreams of making the majors will most likely be delayed a year. Alright, next question. Brian asked, With almost $60 million coming off the books, will the Braves spend in free agency slash budget or use the money on a Freddie extension? Freddie being Freddie Freeman, of course. Along the same line, will the Braves keep prospects because they are cheap, or will they finally make that big splash of a trade? Wow, Brian, there is a lot to unravel here, but I love the question. I know this sounds like a scapegoat answer, but it really depends on how the season plays out. If they don't make it past the first round of the playoffs again, they will most likely go all out in improving because everyone is getting tired of waiting. They will be smart about it though. AA is a good GM. If they don't make it past the first round, I see them signing a top tier free agent, within reason of course. Nothing like Garrett Cole or Bryce Harper type, but they won't be shy to spend. This could mean though that they take on contracts via trade. They have the prospects and the flexibility to get really creative in the trade market, and I would fully expect them to do so. If they make it deep in the playoffs but don't win the World Series, they will still spend or trade, but they will have the mindset that they may not need to be quite as aggressive. They will probably look for a top-tier rental players, similar to the Mookie Betts deal. Not so much give away a ton of prospects for someone because of their the amount of time left on their contract. If they win the World Series, then the pressure is will be off. Not necessarily as in a sense that, okay, like the Florida Marlins did after they win the World Series, they sell off everybody. More so, they're not going to, the odds of them making a huge splash or overspending on someone is not going to be as high. They're not going to be as aggressive. It's just how things seem to trend. Again, unless you're the freaking Marlins who somehow won two World Series in the time that it took the Braves to win one. But anyways, as far as Freeman... I fully expect them to pursue an extension regardless of how the season plays out. How much they are willing to pay him will depend on how the season goes, though. They're going to give him an extension offer. It's pretty set in stone that that's going to happen. But, depending on how they spend on other free agents or who they bring in via trade will depend on how much money they're willing to give him. Not to mention that the contracts given out to first baseman over the past five years has cr greatly decreased. So unless Freddie Freeman is willing to take a minor pay cut, he may go for a bigger market team that's willing to pay him. However, I really think Freddie wants to stay in Atlanta just the way he talks. He talks more about wanting to stay in an area more than most uh, players do these days. So I believe he'll work with the Braves. But Again, it kind of goes back to how the season plays out, how much they're willing to pay him. It's not really a black or white type scenario. There's probably going to be many months of going back and forth. But it is good to see that the Braves are so good, yet still have so much cash flexibility coming in the next few years. So if the Braves don't win the World Series this year or make it far in the playoffs, I fully suspect them to be pretty aggressive. Alright, for the next question, Kevin asked, What does analytics have to say about sack bunts? Well, Kevin, I'm glad you asked. 
In a nutshell, they say they are not worth it. Thanks for the question. Moving on. Just kidding. As we have probably noticed, sack bunts are way down. In fact, back in 2016, there were only 1,025 bunts the entire season. That may seem like a lot, but that is way less than the 1,667 bunts just five years prior. In 1995, there were 0.5 sacrifices per game. In 2019, there were only 0.16 bunts per game. So, it is obvious they are way down. And I said that kind of wrong. Let me go back and answer that by saying there are 0.5 sacrifice hits. And in 2019, there are actually 0.16 sacrifice hits. So there are, you know, those chances of doing like a sack fly or something like that. But if you look at the broad number, obviously with the stats turning down, it's mostly because of bunts. Because a lot of times sack flies, although they can be done on purpose, are not done on purpose as often as bunts are. This ultimately is a result of the game moving away from small ball and going to the three true outcome approach. Those results, when I say three true outcomes, are to walk, homer, or strike out. For us small ball fans, like myself, it's a nightmare. However, analytics show that focusing on these three things result in more runs. Almost every year for the past few years, the record has been broken for the most homers across the league. I don't believe last year they broke the record, but I believe the two years prior to that they consecutively broke the record. It is much more effective to have someone try to get a walk and get on base with a homer threat coming up behind him than to give up an out. Every single out has huge implications on what can happen. I mean, if you really think about it, when every single guy coming up to the plate now is a homer threat, one out is not worth it. I'm sure that is not what a lot of people want to hear, but the game is all about runs, and the analytics have shown that swinging for the fences and not bunting results in more runs. Look for bunts to drop even more once the National League implements the DH. I hope that answered your question. It might not be the answer that you want, but unfortunately for us guys that kind of like the small ball, it kind of sucks. Now, I will say I do love analytics. I mean, it stats have gone to new heights um, being able to dig into players careers and seeing how truly good they actually were or not as good as people actually thought they were is really fascinating so that part of analytics and being able to predict how good a player might actually be versus if they got lucky that's good from the business standpoint and for if making your team better if so what is more important to you is it more important to win the World Series or is it more important to play the game the way that you like it? So for me, it's kind of like a mix. Like I miss small ball, but at the same time, I'd rather see the Braves win a World Series playing the way that'll score them more runs than ultimately me seeing sack bunts happen. Next question. Wow, I sounded like a duck, am I right? Next question is from Mally Mao. How good will Ozuna be? First, he is projected a three-war season by Fangraphs if it were to be a full season. Caveat there is that obviously it won't be a full season, but I wanted to use the three-war to kind of give an example of what it would be like if it were a full season, kind of just for reference. That is a tremendous step up for the Braves. 
as far as outfield production goes from the corner. But let's dig into some numbers. Not only was he playing with a bum shoulder the past few years, he was one of the unluckiest hitters in the game. He had a 49.2% of his batted balls that had an exit velocity of 95 miles per hour or higher. You might, those numbers might just be gibberish to you, I don't know. But that is the 14th best in the entire league. What that basically means is when he hits the ball, he hits it freaking hard. And if you have hard contact, odds point to you having a better chance of getting a hit. Okay? And he was four, that was 14th best, best in the entire league. That's American League and National League. If you look at his exit velocity and launch angle, he was one of the best in the league. Launch angle being, you know, the angle at which you hit the ball. If you hit the ball hard and hit it at a higher launch angle, higher chances of hitting it over the fence. If you look at his expected weighted on base average, which factors in exit velocity, launch angle, and sprint speed, he has a .382. For reference, Josh Donaldson and Ronald Acuna had an expected weighted on base average of 387 last year. So he's only off by .005 of those players who had insane seasons last year. So in a nutshell, Ozuna is projected to have an enormous increase in actual on-field production if he can stay healthy. So looking at those numbers, it really points to the Braves getting an absolute steal by signing him. If, of course, we get to play this season. But everyone's suffering from not getting true value of players because they're not getting a full season's worth. But Azuna initially was looking at three to four year deals at about 40 million to 50 million. Um, Braves got him for one year at about 17 million, and all they had to give up was a second round draft pick uh, because of the compensation pick that goes along with qualifying offers but they only paid the amount that the Cardinals would have paid to pick him up with a qualifying offer so the Braves got a freaking steal with Azuna in my opinion I feel like he's going to have the potential to win comeback player of the year easily Lisa asked when will the season start this is a short answer but at the time of this recording the rumors are around July 4th but things are leaning towards it might be longer than that because we still have the MLB and the MLBPA have not come to an agreement yet. And every day that passes is another day that uh, a short spring training gets delayed, which means players won't get up and going, which means they won't get the season started. But when I was on the ESPN radio show a few weeks back when we were talking to Chip Carey, Chip Carey brought up about how patriotic would it be that. We all came together as baseball fans to have opening day in America be on July 4th. And I really believe that they're going to strive as hard as they can to make July 4th happen. I mean, how epic would that be? That would be remembered forever in sports history, in my opinion. I just think that would be, for lack of better words, lack of better words, I believe that would be truly beautiful. Uh, so... I, I believe July 4th is probably the key date that people are looking for if an agreement can be come to mm, probably within the next two weeks or so from this recording. Great question. Well, it's getting kind of hot outside here on the porch, so I think I'm going to take a little break. Um, 
when I come back, I have a few more questions I'd like to answer. It's going to be a lot of fun. So take this time, listen to this little bit in between breaks, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, I'm back inside in the air conditioner. I'm not sweating anymore. It's time to answer some more questions. Jason asked, what will the psychological effect of not having fans in the stands have on players? Well, there are no true statistics to give a concrete answer on that because this hasn't really happened in the past. Um, you know, there was the war, it's the last time I can think of that this possibly could have happened, but even then there were still some fans. Uh, so there's not true statistics to tell you what will happen. So really all I can lean on is what I believe will happen. And this is based on just a personal opinion. So, perfect question to ask. I believe it will affect players and teams' morale. Experts believe that morale does have an effect on field performance, but maybe not as extreme as we may think. They believe that good morale will result in winning streaks lasting longer, or losing streaks to be less likely to continue. Bad morale will result in losing streaks to last longer and make it harder for winning streaks to start. So, if getting pumped up from the crowds boosts morale, then winning streaks will be affected the most. To me, no crowds would not affect, affect baseball as much as, say, football. Because although I'm more a fan of baseball, I still watch football. And I'm not an expert by any means in football. I wouldn't claim to be, but I have been to many college football games and the crowd really does play an effect there because in crucial moments when the quarterback or, or the rest of the team are trying to communicate the plays that they're going to play, try to give each other plays where the quarterback's calling audibles, if the crowd is crazy loud, it makes the, the team harder of hearing. So it actually can result in mess ups happening. That can happen in baseball, but baseball doesn't happen in as quick bursts as football does in a sense that the crowd may mess up like the pitcher's pitch, but even then the pitcher has the control to gather his psyche for making the pitch, um, but it's not so much like football. It doesn't have as much of an effect on football. I mean, there are things, in a sense, psychologically, like Rick Ankiel, if you if you remember him, he was a pitcher for the Cardinals at first and then ended up converting to an outfielder and played a few years for the Braves and some other teams. But he got nervous when he made it to the bigs and got a huge case of the yips. And... Although that could happen without fans, I think having you know 40,000 fans or whatever the size of your stadium is, if it's packed out in a big 
moment. Now, the possibility of that happening is much higher, but for players that have already gained composure within the league, I don't think the crowd has as much of an effect on baseball players as it would for players in different sports. So I'm leaning back towards getting pumped up from the crowd might boost your morale some. And morale shows to do things more with winning streaks and losing streaks rather than individual performance. Richard asks, what are your five favorite baseball movies and why? To be completely honest, I don't have a true reason why on these, but I think a lot of it probably has to do with pure nostalgia. <laughs> I'm getting older, so maybe nostalgia is playing a factor, I don't know. But my favorite of all time is Angels in the Outfield. It's obviously not accurate at all, but I really loved that movie as a kid. It helped me fall in love with the game. Second would probably be Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I know, another kid's movie. But I also watched that movie right around the time I was introduced to the sport. If I'm being fully candid, I did re-watch it recently, and it does not hold up that well. But the movie just holds a special place in my heart. Third, I will go with Rookie or The Rookie with Kevin Costner. There is just something about the Cinderella story of Kevin Costner's character making the Major League squad at an older age. The idea of that film, although highly unlikely, is just a fun concept. And I just really enjoy that movie. Fourth, I will go with The Sandlot. Because I am a sucker for buddy comedies, it reminds me of me and my friends playing backyard baseball growing up. It reminds me of my grandpa throwing me balls in the backyard and hitting it. I don't know. It's just a really good movie. I mean, it's classic. It's got one of the best lines of all time of any movie with, You're killing me, Smalls. So, just got to put that one in my top five. And lastly, I'm going to say A League of Their Own. To me, that's one of the most empowering movies there is, with solid acting, with Tom Hanks saying, there's no crying in baseball. I know I probably lost some respect because it did not say movies like A Field of Dreams, Bill Durham, or Moneyball, but I am who I am, sue me. If I were to give an honorable mention though, I would go with Moneyball, just because I love analytics and sabermetrics so much. But, and... I do like Chris Pratt. I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec, his his character Andy. So I'm a Chris Pratt fan. But those are my top five. Probably not ones you would have suspected me to say. But I've, I just really dig those movies. Uh, dramas are good and everything, but I like to laugh. So... And I, I love those movies as a kid. They hold a special place in my heart, most of them. So, those are my five. Well, that does it for the Ask Me Anything episode. If you could all do me a favor and go on Apple and leave me a five-star review and subscribe, I would be forever grateful. If you want to submit questions for a later episode, check out the Braves Dugout Facebook page, the Atlanta Braves Dugout Facebook group, Twitter handle Braves Dugout Pod, 
email bravesdugout at gmail.com or visit the website, which is bravesdugoutpod.wixite.com slash bravesdugoutpod. Thank you so much for the people that submitted questions. If I didn't get to your question this time, I'm sorry, but I promise, keep submitting questions. We'll get your question on the show at some point. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I will see you next Thursday. Go Braves and chop on.